this morning, open it to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to continue our journey together, uh, our spring journey in Mark's Gospel. And and let me ask for a quick show of hands. Uh, Who's ever felt completely overwhelmed? Raise your hand. I mean, come on, we've all been there before. Maybe it was this morning for you, I don't know. But, uh, you know, you felt like something was just way too big, too much, too hard. We've all felt that way. Um, our dog at, uh, at our house, uh, Ellie, she just absolutely lives for two things, and that's to catch the Frisbee and to catch a tennis ball. Uh, they are the most important things in her entire existence. Her soul is possessed by the need to do these things, and, and we can completely control her with a tennis ball or a Frisbee. And uh, We have this game we play at our house where she goes to the top of the stairs, and one of us goes to the bottom of the stairs, and we throw the tennis ball to her, and she catches it, and then she throws it back down the stairs, and, and she'll pretty much do this, tell you you're dead if you're willing to do it. So just do this all day long. And uh, we always warn people when they come over, we say, don't start. You know, she doesn't want you to stop. But sometimes when we're doing that, I like to mess with her. And what I do is I'll get three tennis balls. And she's just totally riveted on the first one. And I throw it to her and she catches it. And then real quick, I'll throw the other two to her just to watch what happens. Her whole self freezes up. You can just see her brain lock. She can't let go of the one in her mouth, but there's two more coming at her, and she just freezes in that moment. She's completely overwhelmed. Some of us are like that sometimes. I came across a couple of images online this week of what it feels like to be overwhelmed. Looks kind of... You ever feel like that? Uh, I, I think... Probably all of us do at one time or another, or maybe on a Monday morning, a little bit like this. Yes, I am a bit stressed. Why do you ask? You know, some of us feel like our whole life goes kind of like this, you know, <laughs> trying to keep it together. It's okay. Some of us go through life with an expression on our face kind of like this uh, that says, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm out of my depth. We all understand what that feels like. There are lots of things that can make us feel overwhelmed. And one of them is spiritual growth. One of the things that can make us feel overwhelmed is God's call to grow up in his spirit. You know, the reality is, if we're honest with each other, is that God asks a lot from us, his sons and daughters, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5. He said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He said that in the context of loving our enemies. Through the apostle Peter, our Father says to us, be holy because I am holy. We can feel overwhelmed by that invitation. And he calls me to, to love my enemies, to forgive those who hurt me, to stop sinning, to turn away from a sinful world, to be humble, to worship him instead of money or reputation or security. He calls us to trust his promises through great tragedy. And once you start taking these things seriously, you can feel overwhelmed and kind of shut down like our dog does at the top of our stairs. In fact... If you don't sometimes feel overwhelmed by such things, I would suggest that it's because you're not listening or not trying. Because what God calls us to is very great, to become like his son, Jesus. I love what G.K. Chesterton said 
He said, no man knows how great a sinner he is until he tries to stop being one. And that's real. But this morning, church, Jesus wants us to understand that there is a power, an invisible power, like the wind, very real and yet invisible, that is available to us and that it can overcome what we feel overwhelmed by. That it can do what we can't in our own strength. I remember the first time when I was a kid, somebody showed me a paper airplane. Remember the first time you saw a paper airplane? Now, maybe I was the only one who, who that was a moment of wonder. Somebody took an ordinary piece of paper, folded it a few times, and then suddenly it flew all around the classroom. I was mesmerized. I was hypnotized by that as a kid. After that, I just every piece of paper I wanted to turn into a flying object because I became aware in that moment of, uh, of invisible forces, that there were forces at work around me that I, I didn't know were there before, that I couldn't see before, but were very real. Jesus teaches us a lesson like that here in this moment in Mark chapter 4. Let's, let's listen to him together. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 20, 24. The Lord is speaking, and he says this, Consider carefully what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. What's he talking about? We're going to circle back to that in a moment. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, that seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This, Jesus said, is what the kingdom of God is like. To all of us listening to him, he says, this is what the kingdom is like. Let's take a few minutes to break this down together. First, Jesus says in verse 24, the first part of this passage, that, that there is not a sort of neutral gear in the Christian faith. Either I am learning or I am unlearning. There's no middle ground. That's why he says, consider carefully what you hear. The one who has will be given more. Why? Because they're moving. The one who doesn't have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Why? Because they're moving, but in the wrong direction. Jesus said there's no, there's no neutral in the Christian life, so consider carefully what you hear. Over in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, Jesus put it another way. He said, consider carefully how you listen. Same idea. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him because of the attention that we give or don't give to what he's saying. It's kind of like flying lessons for a pilot. If you learn to take off without learning how to land, then you're in more trouble than you were when you started. Once you get in the air, you don't know how to come back down again. Half a lesson is worse than no lessons at all. Jesus is saying something like that to us. He says, consider, Greg, how you listen. Because those who listen without paying attention, even what they think they have, 
they won't really have, but to anybody willing to listen, they will gain more and more and more. In membership class, we talk about the importance of uninterrupted attention daily to God's word, 10 minutes a day. And we talk about the fact that if Jesus were here teaching physically, he is here in spirit. But if he were here teaching physically, you wouldn't be on your phone or, or talking to your neighbor or drawing pictures on your bulletin. You know, you'd be paying attention to what he's saying because you know what matters. And in the Bible, we have the living word of God. In the scriptures, we have God's word given to us just as if Jesus were standing teaching us personally. But then having given that warning, church, Jesus teaches us something incredibly hopeful and encouraging. He says there is a power in the gospel that doesn't depend on us at all. Look at verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, night and day, whether the man sleeps or gets up, whether he's working or not, whether he's alert or not, whether he's engaged or not, the seed, because of the power that's in it, sprouts and grows, even though the man doesn't know how. And all by itself, that seed and that soil produce grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. In other words, once the seed goes in, because of the power in it, growth begins to happen. This is important to understand. Jesus is teaching us this because he knows that sometimes we feel overwhelmed. He knows that sometimes we are overcome by the feeling of being overwhelmed. And so he says, Greg, I want you to understand that when my word comes into your life, it has power far beyond your understanding and even beyond your effort or cooperation. Now, he says all this in relation to something called the kingdom of God. You see that phrase in verse 26. And from the very beginning of Mark's gospel, we've heard Jesus talk about that. And we've understood what it is and what it isn't. Let me quickly remind you, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 that the kingdom of God is not something that, that you observe coming, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you, and the word also means among you. It's within you as an individual and within us as a group. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about God's leadership in your life. Not a political entity, not a government with boundaries and an administration. He's not talking about an earthly thing. He's talking about God's leadership and rule inside of me and inside of you. And he's also talking about God's leadership and rule among us as a family of Christ followers. He says that's what the kingdom is. And then he's talking in a general sense about God's work in the world. He's saying what I'm doing by scattering this seed, some may think it doesn't have power, but the reality is that what I'm starting right here and right now, 2,000 years ago, is just going to keep going. It's going to grow, it's going to grow, it's going to grow. When Jesus spoke this word, there were just a few hundred people who could be called his believers. Today, there's a couple billion. Why? Because of the power in what he was saying. Jesus is saying that, that this reality, the kingdom of God, grows under its own power in you and in me. It doesn't depend on our effort, and it works beyond the level of our understanding. That's what he's saying. So even when you don't think it's growing, it still is. Kind of like my belly as I get older. Even when I don't think it's growing, it still is. 
In the same way, the gospel has a power beyond our understanding. And notice what else Jesus is careful to point out to us. He says this growing comes by a process. The seed produces all by itself. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. He's describing a process that takes time. My wife and I lived on the Palouse for seven years. And in March, the Palouse is a mess. It's a big, muddy pile of fields with mud puddles and furrows and seeds that have been planted by these farmers. And it doesn't look good at all. But every year, as summer draws on, very slowly, those fields go from brown mud pits to glorious golden fields ripe with grain. And by the time the sun is shining in late August, there's maybe no prettier place in the world. Blue sky, gold fields, green forests in between. It's gorgeous. But it takes time. It happens by a process. And Jesus says that his word comes into your life and mine and initiates that process. And once it begins, it continues. And that we are meant to rest in that rather than being overwhelmed by our inability to see how the kingdom can happen in us. If I could be personal with you for a moment, this matters a bunch because it means that you don't have to understand the kingdom in order to experience it. When I became a believer, when I became a follower of Jesus, 20 years old, a young husband, you know, because of my background, growing up unchurched, spending all that time in the military, living in a barracks, I, I was a foul-mouthed individual, okay? Most of my vocabulary was swear words. I couldn't say a sentence without saying things that were, you know, obscene, coarse language. I, I, I didn't know how else to be. And when I became a Christ follower and I started going to church, I realized, hey, these people don't talk like that, you know? I started to notice. And then I thought to myself, how am I ever going to be like them? I mean, my reaction to everything is different in language terms. I, I say things different. How is that ever going to change? And there was a period when I was in despair. Oh my goodness, I'm going to ruin the whole thing because one of these days I'm going to say something and it's just not going to go over well. <laughs> but do you know that within that first year of me doing nothing but letting God's word come into my life, all foul language passed completely from my vocabulary. My son is 25 years old, church. He has never once heard his dad use even the slightest foul language. Not one bit. Now, that's not a testimony to my power at all. That's a testimony of what Jesus is talking about here. And, and many of us feel like there's, there's things in our lives that we're overwhelmed by. I can't break that. I can't break that. Jesus says there's a power beyond you, and it can. And it will. He said, once you let my word fall into the soil of your life, the power that's in it will carry you beyond these things. Some of us wrestle with habits and behaviors that we don't know how to overcome. We think we can't ever overcome them. But Jesus says that God's leadership in your life will happen if you'll just let him sow the seed of his word. Because that word has power in and of itself. That sowing is happening right now. And you're going to walk out of here feeling like a muddy field. <laughs> but because the seed has gone in, Jesus says, a power has begun to change you. Last week we heard Jesus explain to us that his gospel, the good news, is the seed. Verse 14 of chapter 4. And that he's the one scattering it in the world. The only question is whether you and I are allowing it to be scattered in us.
You know, I remember again when I was a younger man, there was a season of our lives when, when I lived on my motorcycle, really got into motorcycle riding for several years, rode year-round, and uh, got very comfortable on the bike. But at the beginning, it could be scary sometimes. The first few times you get out on the freeway on a motorcycle and you're going 70 miles an hour like everybody else, or 80 or 90, however fast you're going, like everybody, and you're on this little tiny thing, right, with only two wheels and no roof and no, nothing around you, it can be kind of scary the first time you get out on I-90 and you're just tearing along, you think to yourself, oh my goodness, this is dangerous. And I, in the beginning, I, I would live in fear that there would be like something in the road, you know, like a, a, one of pieces of a tire that came off a semi, you know, or a hole, or somebody left a piece of wood out, ah, and I'm going to hit it and I'm going to crash. And what if it's dark and I never see it? And I, I had this fear, this terror. But what happened, the more I rode was that the more I began to understand that when those two wheels under you are turning at 70 miles an hour, they create incredible centrifugal force that keeps the bike moving forward even when there's stuff in the road. Now, I'm not talking about parked cars in the road, but I'm talking about debris, right? And that this force is so strong that eventually as time went by, and I don't recommend this to anybody, okay, but I became so aware of that power, of that force, that I would be on the freeway doing 70 miles an hour with one finger on the throttle and my hand in my pocket. I grew up. I don't do that anymore, okay? But, but, but that was how aware of that power I became. Man, yeah, you know, and you hit something and you just keep going because of the force that's involved there. Jesus wants us to understand that it's the same way with his word in us that when we allow it to be scattered in us, what it does under its own power is profound and significant. Now, this isn't the kind of thing you can just sort of hypothesize your way through. Think about it and go, okay, I get it in my head. You have to experience it. The Bible says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Jesus is inviting us to do just that and to do it with confidence because a power beyond our understanding is at work in his word, in you and in me. John Ortberg writes about one evening when he was walking on the beach in California, not far from home, and he, he came around a rocky promontory on the beach there, and all of a sudden he found himself face to face with three guys who were assaulting another guy. Now, if you know John, he's about five foot six, maybe 140 pounds soaking wet. And John writes, yeah, he, I didn't grow up learning to fight, but in that moment I had to do something. So I summoned up all my courage and I yelled, hey. <laughs> he said, the men looked up and they looked at me. And he said, I think that was the first time in my life I really understood that I was going to die. <laughs> He said, they turned their attention to me, and I thought I was done for. He said, in my mind, I got ready to go down swinging, but I didn't have much hope. He said, but suddenly, in the next moment, all three guys stopped, and the look on their faces changed. And they turned and walked away quickly, leaving me to tend to the injured man. He said, for a moment, I had no idea what happened, and by reflex, I just turned around, and that's when I saw that while I was standing there, there had walked up behind me a guy we all knew by reputation, not personally. Matter of fact, we had given him a nickname. We called him Mongo 
because Mongo would come down to the beach every day and he was about 6'8", 300 pounds and he would come down and lift weights every day. He had like 2% body fat and he looked like what would happen if you, if Hercules had a baby with Xena the warrior princess, right? He said, <laughs> I turned around and I saw him standing there and he had this look on his face like he really hoped the three guys would come at him. And he said, suddenly I understood that unbeknownst to me, there was a power in the moment. He said, so I turned around and yelled, you guys better not come around here again. <laughs> because now he was aware of the Here in Mark 4 Church, Jesus wants us to grasp something like that. That his word is mango in you. And that if you'll simply allow it to be scattered in you, it has power all its own. And it will overcome what you are overwhelmed by in his time. First the stalk, then the head, then the grain when it's ripe. That all we have to do is allow it to be scattered in our lives. And to emphasize this, Jesus goes on. Look at verses 30 to 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds that you plant in the garden. That's what hearing his word sometimes feels like, the smallest of things. He said, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. In other words, Jesus says, it, it looks small, I know, it seems small, but give it time in you and it is the most powerful thing you will ever experience the most powerful thing you will ever encounter. Lots of people give up on being transformed because they don't see how it can happen. They're too hurt, too traumatized, too sunk in addiction or the feeling of powerlessness, maybe over their temper or their lust or their lying or whatever it is. Or maybe they just feel dead on the inside and don't see how they can live again. Jesus says, my word has power to do all that. Just let it be scattered in you. And trust in its power. Uh, church, I can't stand here and explain how this works in details. That's the whole point. I can't explain it any more than you can explain why you love your kids or, or how gravity bends time or why you get all choked up when somebody else gets all choked up. I mean, we, we are more than just what we know. And it is from the more that Jesus speaks to us in this moment. We are souls, we are spirits. And God's word has unbelievable power in us because of that. You know, the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the same idea. Not our power, but his. His word is like a seed. Once it's planted in you, it can't help but grow stuff. But here's kind of the home stretch this morning. While the seed has a power all its own, you can get in the way of that power if you simply aren't willing to let it be scattered in you. You know, there's lots of folks that have a Bible and say they believe in the Bible, but they don't receive it as the Word of God. Or if they do, it's very rarely, once in a while. You know what? A huge part of our word struggle at this time and place in history is that we've got way too much news and we all think we know way too much about stuff we know nothing about. In the average week, 
How much time do you spend listening to the news as compared to listening to Jesus? I can pretty much predict the condition of your soul from that ratio. Listen to him more than it. What he has to say has infinitely greater power. And Jesus wants us to understand that's why he's teaching us this in this moment. If we only listen to that, we'll very quickly be overwhelmed. But if we listen to him, we go, okay, wow. How come I'm above and beyond? I love what Mark Twain said. I have suffered many things in my life, most of which never happened. Y2K. Anybody remember? The whole world was supposed to end. I had people freaking out. I lived in Idaho during Y2K. Try to be a pastor in Idaho. Everybody wants to build a bunker. Right? No, stop it. Let's listen to Jesus instead. He's going to lead us through this. He's got this. You know what? If there's a coronavirus epidemic in, the, in, in Washington State, we'll meet together and we'll serve sick people. That's what Jesus says. That's what people who believe him do. Church, when we listen to him, there's power in it beyond all understanding. So let me finish this morning by giving you a couple tips. We're almost done. For how to receive God's word. First of all, understand this. You need to eat it daily. 10 minutes in God's word every day. 10 minutes listening to Jesus every day. Here's, here's how the Lord himself put it in Matthew chapter 4. He said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, just having food and shelter and security won't create a life. You and me are souls. We're spirits. We need to hear what God is saying. And the only way you can prevent the seed's power from growing in you is to refuse to have it scattered in you. I'm, I'm like the worst patient. I've had seven major surgeries and I hate pain meds. After the first one, I said, doc, I don't want any pain meds. And so after the surgery, the doc will come into my room and he'll say, hey, how was your surgery? I'll say, it hurts. He said, did you take the pain meds? I'll say, no. He said, why are you so stupid? <laughs> That's why it hurts, because you won't take the pain meds. Eat daily. Take in God's, God's word, Jesus is saying, is more important than bread because you aren't just a body. You're a soul. That's number one. Number two, ask God to meet you in Scripture. Pray as you sit down. Lord, meet me here in this moment. Uh, church, understand that the power of his word is that it is his word. The point isn't to read magic letters, but to hear him speaking to us. Jesus said that he is the word, John chapter 1, verse 1. And so when we sit down to spend those 10 minutes a day in the Scriptures, we say, God, meet me here in your word. Help me not just to engage the, the letters. Help me to hear you in this moment. And then third, this is adult. Listen to his word vulnerably. What do I mean by that? Philip Spiner writes this. I love this. He says, many readers of the Bible do harm to themselves because they don't read to know God, but to prove themselves religious or to get knowledge as a scientist studies an insect. And so they love difficult passages and ignore simple ones because their real aim is only to make a show before others. But a child is not served by mastering her parents. She is served by being mastered. And so when we come to God's living word, we come to it vulnerably. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, it comes to divide my soul and spirit, to judge the thoughts and attitudes of my heart. It is a living word. Receive it as such. Number four or five, we're almost done. Meditate on the scriptures. Don't hurry through them. Go slow. Chew your food, like mom said when you were little. A few verses read slowly are much more powerful than many read in a hurry. Sometimes our aim is just to check off the next task on the chart. Can I just confess to you that in the back of my Bible here is my Bible reading plan for the year 2020. And it's a one-year plan. I'm going to read through everything. And right now at this point, I'm in late January (laughs) in my Bible reading plan. I've fallen way behind. Way behind. It's going to take me more than a year. But that's because I'm not in a hurry. That's because each day when I say, I'm like, oh, wow. Sometimes I only read a paragraph and I stop and I pray and I'm just, the whole paragraph, that's enough. Oh, boy, I've got to digest this. Approach God's word that way. Meditate on it. Take, and if you do, you will hear much more. This week, my wife came home on Tuesday night after 12 days in Cambodia as part of the missions team. Later in her trip, I started thinking about something she said right before she left. She said, it'll be so nice to come home to a clean house. (laughs) Now, when she first said that, I thought to myself, yeah, that that, that would be nice. (laughs) As I meditated on her word, a fuller meaning came through. And I began to understand that it was a prophetic warning. And I received it on that. I'm being silly. But the reality is, take God's word in deeply like that. Right? Take it in deeply. Don't be in a hurry. You will hear more if you listen slow. Yeah. All right, last thing. Ignore your moods. You see, if the seed is powerful in and of itself, then your mood doesn't matter. The seed matters. Take it in when you feel good. Take it in when you feel bad. Take it in when you're full of energy and excited. Take it in when you're bored out of your skull. Ignore your moods. Church, we tend to believe our feelings more than we believe anything. And so sometimes we think there's no power when there's no feeling. But Jesus says that the word of God works beyond our moods, way beyond them. A man scatters seed. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and it grows, even though he doesn't know how. Regardless of his mood, his effort, his disposition, all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, all by itself. Now, church, Jesus told this parable so that you and I wouldn't be overwhelmed, so that we would know there is a power at work in our listening to him that goes way beyond our understanding. The question is, do you believe him? Do you believe? If you do, you'll allow that word to be scattered. And you will experience the reality of you being turned from a muddy, wet, cold field slowly into a rich and fruitful garden no matter what's going on around you. And that's what he seeks Do you believe in the power of his word more than your weaknesses, your failures, your sins? When I worked in the emergency room and rode the ambulance, we learned something, and I finish with this. We learned something about emergency medicine. They taught us that when you first arrive in a traumatic situation, a car wreck, somebody coming into the air with a heart attack, whatever it is, 
So one of the first things you want to do is help people get their minds off what's happened to them. So you're there beside the car. There's blood everywhere. It's an accident. People are hurt. You say, hey, look at me. Talk to me. Let's, how are you feeling? What's going on? What are you doing? Where are you headed? And you capture that person's attention. Why? Because the most dangerous thing in the moment isn't trauma, it's shock. A little trauma and a lot of shock can take a life. A lot of trauma and a little shock, you'd be amazed at what people can live through. And so they teach us, hey, capture their attention. Get their attention off their injuries on what you're saying to them. And then keep it there. Jesus is saying something like this right now. He's saying, hey, Greg, pay attention to my word. Let it be scattered in you because its power will carry you beyond anything that you think would overwhelm you. Yeah. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word in this moment. And some of us right now, Lord, we need to confess that we've been listening to everything else. It's no wonder then that our souls are in shock. God, help us to listen to you more than anything else because your word is so powerful, because it's so rich, because what it does in us is beyond even our understanding. We pray for that. Help us to hear you this morning as we go from here. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so you've never known his power. He says, in this moment, if you will confess to me that you are a sinner and need a Savior, I'll start showing you my power. In the very moment that you honestly do that, the seed of my gospel will enter you and you will be different and you'll know it. You'll know it. And then that seed will begin to grow and grow and grow. And you can let it be scattered in you right here and right now. Jesus, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for teaching us as we go out from here today. Let it be as the people who are unafraid that you might be heard in us. We pray for that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church?